Hello, and welcome back to Raising a Healthy Family podcast. I'm your host, Natalie K. Schwartz. In this week's episode, I have Carrie Zarotny. She is a certified human potential coach and mindfulness facilitator. She helps parents and kids mindfully use body awareness to create emotional regulation. This episode is so good. I feel like I had a mini breakthrough session. It was so helpful. It took away so many tools. It, she really dives in to tangible tips for us as parents that we can use when we are in an argument or we, we're feeling our body sort of get heated or put into overdrive and how to sort of, she calls it like, bring you back down the ladder. And I found it to be so helpful. I have a toddler. I have a five-year-old. I mean, I know as you know, as parents, things can get crazy, but she really dives into science-based mindfulness and embodiment tools that you can can practice with your children to help regulate them. She calls them sort of recipes for when we get dysregulated. And as adults, we kind of go to that in like zero to 60. And there's some tools to practice, breathing techniques, different different tools like that that you can practice so that you can regulate yourself more. So I'm so excited for this episode. I hope you love it as much as I did. Let's get right into it. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, Carrie. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. I would love for you to just tell us how you got started, where you're at in your career, sort of what led you to make the shift to like want to work with kids and parents. And yes, just fill us in on all the things. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. And before I dive into that, are you game to just kind of engage in a quick practice before we get started? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, and I encourage all the listeners to join in if it works for you, if you're in a safe space, and if it's comfortable for you, I invite you to close your eyes and just start to feel your feet on the floor. Maybe place a hand on your heart. And if it works for you in your body, feel free to kind of take a deep breath and let it out with an audible sigh. <sighs> Honoring yourself for being here as a dedicated parent, seeking information and doing your best for your child or children. so easy to get caught up in the doing, the going, the working, the cooking, cleaning, feeding, driving, clothing. Sometimes we forget about the being. And our kids are really good at just kind of sitting in that present space and being So we'll just take three more breaths here. Whenever you're ready, if your eyes were closed, you can feel free to open them as you come back to the space. And throughout our time together, I'll invite you to try on some more body-based practices. And I just want to remind you that it's always up to you what you do. You're the expert of you. And it's all in service of things that can both help regulate you as a parent and also your child, right? That's that's why we're here. So um Thank you for participating in that, Natalie. Yes, thank you. That was so nice. What a nice way to ease into a podcast. I should do that every time. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, so tell us, how did you sort of come into this space? Like what led you to this moment? Yeah, um, so I had a long career in public relations and being in the Detroit area was focused on automotive and it was incredibly stressful and Fast forward to leaving that behind me and moving into having children and 
all of the lovely things that that brings in, I, I still brought a lot of stress with me and I almost transferred it to my job as mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I actually had a functional medicine doctor prescribe mindfulness meditation to me. And at the time I was like, I can't do that. I can't sit still. My mind is busy. Yes. There's no way. And so I fought it for about a year. And then I realized like, okay, this is time. We need to do this. And as I got into it and learned more about it and felt the benefits of it, mm -hmm. I started teaching some of those things to my kids as, of course, as they, as they aged and that type of thing. And like, really got interested in how we can affect the body. Big or small, we can all do it. And I'm really intrigued by that. And diving into the science, I found out how much starts in the body. Uh -huh. And so we try to rationalize things a lot. And and I was definitely doing that. I still will fall into that pattern of like trying to think it through and all that type of thing. And oftentimes when we can go to the body, and regulate ourselves, we can get more answers or whatever we need to move us forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so how did you decide? So you were working in automotive, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what made the switch to this career? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, it was really that that science of how we can affect ourselves, right? Like we, I left to have my first child and the stress didn't necessarily go away. And so it was a matter of like, what is this? Like the, the intensity of working in a high stakes PR career is gone. Mm -hmm. So why is the stress not gone? And, you know, when I really dove into like how we carry it in our bodies, how we respond, the patterns that exist, et cetera, is really what led me to kind of say, okay, it's time to make this shift. Okay. And so I love that you said like where we carry it in our body. So mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about that? Because I find myself, I'm home, stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. full-time online business owner. So it's always something to be done. Yeah. And I find that I get stressed easily, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm trying to focus on my breath. I'm, I'm trying to be mindful in those small moments of time, but I feel it like in my back or like in, mm -hmm. you know, just like tension sort of building. And is there something that like you can do to sort of relieve that through being more mindful of it? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much we can do. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of give like a basic overview, not too scientific of the human nervous system. No, please I, do. Please okay. Do. I think that will like help us in this conversation. So yes. Our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system, autonomic for automatic. Okay. Is <laughs> hey, a, that's a great way to remember. Right. It. It, it's a nervous, it's a network of nerves that carry signals throughout our body, right? Okay. And so you, your nervous system, your child's nervous system, our, our human nervous system connects signals from our brain to our body and from our body to our brain. Okay. And it's, it's doing things like that so that we can walk and talk and think and feel and breathe. And it's constantly communicating. What's so interesting to me is we have 10 times the amount of afferent fibers coming up from our body as we do efferent fibers going down from our brain. So if you think about it like a road or a highway, we have basically a 10-lane highway coming up from our body signaling to our brain and a one-lane highway going down. So we are getting all sorts of messages from our body that we as a society, and I, I say this as a United States citizen, yes. have gotten really good at kind of suppressing those signals and mm -hmm. like ignoring them. Um, and so because our nervous system is so, is so irresponsible for so many things, it's also constantly scanning for threats. And this is happening kind of beneath our awareness. Okay. So it listens to three areas. It listens inside your body. So it's, you know, looking like, oh, are we hungry? You know, is everything moving okay? Or is our 
our heartbeat quickened, like et cetera. It's like it's okay. scanning inside your body. It's scanning your external environment for any potential threats outside of your body. And then it's also scanning other nervous systems. And so those three areas, it's constantly looking at. And oftentimes it will get an alert or a threat detection, if you will. Mm -hmm. And from one of those areas, real or perceived, right? So it's not always um, accurate, yes, if you will. And it will just go into action, right? And you know, all of a sudden our palms are sweaty, our heart rate quickens, our mouth goes dry, like the stress kind of kicks in. And so what's so interesting to me is that when that happens, there's a whole biochemical reaction that happens inside your body of all these stress hormones being released and our amygdala, which is kind of the, the, um, back part of our brain. It's the, it's the, the oldest part of our brain Okay, that goes into action and our thinking brain, which is our prefrontal cortex in the front shuts off. Okay. <laughs> so literally our body is like, it's time to survive. And so when you think about this in terms of your child, mm -hmm. it makes a lot more sense when you think about how they operate. Like I know how I feel when I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. I feel really flustered. And I mean, of course there's all the bodily sensations, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're just like in where you hold it. Like you mentioned your back and like some people have tightness in their chest or their throat. Like we all have like a place that we're, we're used to. And it goes back to kind of those patterns. But like when you think about it, as it relates to your child, they most likely have some, some patterns they're developing as well. Right. That, their stress reaction kind of yeah. thing. And it's really interesting to me when I when I think about this and when I've seen it with with my own children, I'm also a, a mom of two and and other families that I've worked with is seeing that stress response go into action and how automatic it can be. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a brief description of what's happening inside your body and with the nervous system. Um, as part of the polyvagal theory, therapist Deb Dana describes that instance when you have that reaction, the stress hormones flood your body, the prefrontal cortex goes offline, all the stuff. She describes it as going down the ladder. Okay. So essentially, you've basically went from this safe and social, engaged state where you're feeling good, you're able to connect with others, your thinking brain is on to this fight or flight state, you know, where you're anxious, things are happening, you're maybe mad, yelling, ch your child is mad or yelling, and then there's also shut down after that. So this like up and down the ladder is a really interesting way to look at it because I can quickly look at my child and say, oh, he's down the ladder. And at that point, and we will talk about things you can do our goal is not to follow them down the ladder and it okay. can be really easy to do that, okay. especially when they're, they're triggering all sorts of things in us. Okay. So can you give me an, give me an example of that? Like, even if it's from your own life, like how you see your child, he's going down the ladder and what would be an example of that, that would make you feel like you're also going to go down the ladder? Is it arguing back and forth? Is it a mm -hmm. power struggle? Yeah. Yeah. I would say my number one trigger with my own children is not being listened to. I Girl, literally... I feel you. I mean, <laughs> can we get an amen for probably every mother who's listening to this? I'm constantly like, did you not just hear me say X? Right. Yeah. And you and you know if you if they would just do it, it would be so much easier for everyone. I know. I know. <laughs> yes, yes. So that is one of my number one triggers where I can kind of start to feel like the the upset kind of wanting to bubble up, mm -hmm. right? I can feel the um as I have described it to my children in Minecraft terms in the past, <laughs> when you do that. I feel as though I'm being attacked by zombie mobs and I want to grab my diamond sword. <laughs> like I, I, I've searched high and low for good language to use yes. to yes. explain where I'm coming from. Yes. Um, 
And I think what's so interesting is, is we all have this automatic system and it is in service of our survival, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we were being attacked by an animal or a bus was coming at us or any of these things, we would want that stress response to, to act, to move us, to quickly, that amygdala to, to, you know, our heart to pump out that blood to our appendages so we could run or jump or move or just do what we need to do in service of our survival. Of course, we're not in a, in that type of situation when we're in our own homes just trying to, you know, get our child to put their shoes on yeah. kind of thing. So understanding the power that we have as parents and that our children have to kind of mindfully hear or listen to your body and really understand how you can influence that response. And it, this isn't to say like, you know, negative feelings are bad. We want to do away with them or that mm-hmm. type of thing. What I'm really interested in and what I share with a lot of the people that I work with is that we want to turn that thinking brain back on because okay. when that thinking brain is off, no, nothing, you know, I think of my one son and myself and we regularly butt heads often mm-hmm. about things. If both of our thinking brains are off, then we're not going to get anywhere. It's going to be like a stalemate kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So it's really important that someone, usually the parent, stays regulated because our children don't know how to do this. And so it is a practice. It is something that when you understand you have the power and you start to learn about things you can do, you recognize like, oh, you know, I, this is what's happening in my body right now. I can start to work on disengaging from this problem and not, you know, fixing or solving it, uh, recognizing that my child is having a problem, not being a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Not always easy. I'm definitely not saying that this is a simple fix because oftentimes, and I'm sure you're aware, and I think that one of your previous guests spoke to this about how it triggers kind of our own, (laughs) our own stuff that's not necessarily about the kids. Yes, yes. Um, But even just recognizing that, you know, you are triggered is a first step, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you can put into place things that can help you as a parent self-regulate your own stress. Okay. So I'd love for you to share on that to the self-regulation, like when you're recognizing, okay, I'm triggered. He's not listening to me, or there's this constant, like we're going to butt heads sort of things. It's this power struggle how can I, I'm triggered, how can I self-regulate? Like what are some tools or some exercises that I can do as a parent to hone it in? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so obviously that awareness that I mentioned is Mm -hmm. is first. Um, It's not always, this is going to sound like a longer process than what it actually is, but when you practice it, when you're not triggered or when I'm not triggered, it's gotten faster. So it's going to sound like, how can you even do that in the middle of an argument? (laughs) It's going to sound really long, but oftentimes, and this is with anything, this is with decision-making, this is with all sorts of things. If I'm, if I'm at a stuck point, right? Like if I know that if I engage with him right now, he's not doing what I want, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not going to get my way. He's not going to get his way, that kind of thing. If I just kind of scan my body just on my own, just scan it from head to toe. And I, I kind of look for where my feeling is, where that response, like, you know, either that, like it's bubbling up or thing. And I just kind of, you know, maybe I'll, I'll note if it has a color or a shape. And I just think like, what does it want to share? And oftentimes I find things like, I didn't feel so listened to as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't this. And so once I'm able to kind of pull out what my f- own feelings, my own stress response is like mm-hmm. trying to and kind of the root of where it's coming from, I'm able to I- engage in some sort of other practice. And again, this doesn't happen perfectly all the time, but the more I practice it when I'm not in a stress response, the mm-hmm. better it is. And I'm going to describe this for you um, and your listeners, but I'll take my right hand and I'll put it under my left armpit okay. and my left palm and wrap it around my right shoulder. 
And this is called The Self-Hold by Dr. Peter Levine. He's a somatic, uh, the the father of somatic experiencing. So it's basically like getting to the body. Uh And this can help just relax you. It can help stimulate oxytocin because of the way you're holding yourself. It can help relax you. So if I can get to this, I mean, and I know I'm this. Do, I'm doing it right now, yeah, and it's actually yeah. very comforting. It is kind of comforting and comfortable, and it's it's a good thing to do when you're trying to fall asleep if you can't fall asleep. It's it's almost like a self-hug. Yeah. Um, so you're you're just kind of relaxing yourself and kind of and it's it's it looks a little silly to um be talking to your child where you're like <laughs> hugging yourself. But you know what? I am I mean, all in favor Jesus, of looking a little silly. He's, yeah, he's seen weirder shit at this right, point. Right, you know, right. I'm like, mommy has yeah. to walk away for a moment. And it wouldn't <laughs> be crazy for me to be hugging myself. Right, right. So when we can start to bring that own safety to our body, like our stress response, our our, our alarm bells going off saying threat, threat, threat. And one of the goals is to not only notice it, but then to start to bring safety to it. So so this is a way to bring safety to your body. Another way that is one of my favorites, and if I do have to walk away, I'll do this. My kids are getting older now, so they definitely will like look at me and tell me flat out, you're weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will place a, and this is another practice by Dr. Peter Levine, is place a palm on my forehead, a palm on my heart, and focus in on the space between your palms. Okay. So you, it, it can be either be your physical body between your palms. It can be the, the actual air between your palms. It can be whatever you want, but just focus on that. And usually you do that again until you feel some sort of shift. And, and I, I didn't mention this when we were doing the self-hug, but oftentimes what a shift or a, kind of a release in your nervous system will look like is a yawn, a sigh, and we'll talk more about sighing in a moment a sigh, um, a deep, deeper breath or something, but oftentimes you will notice some sort of shift on your own. And when you do feel some sort of shift, you take that palm from your forehead and you move it to your belly. So now you've got a palm on your heart, a palm, a palm on your belly. Again, we're helping stimulate that oxytocin just by touching our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And then you concentrate again on that space between your hands. And again, it doesn't need to be anything formal or or crazy. You know, sometimes with my own children, I'll just do this portion where my hands on my heart, my hands on my belly, because it doesn't look as strange and I don't want to get off topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just that that sense of being held, that sense of safety, and you know, working again with the body that's feeling a threat. And, mm-hmm. and recognizing like there is no threat at this time. And, and it, it can help keep your thinking brain online so you can see like, okay, what is it, what problem is my child having instead of, again, my child, you know, instead of thinking my child is being a problem kind mm. of thing. Yes. I think that's so powerful. And I think too, when you were mentioning like, you know, recognizing something in your own childhood maybe that's coming up when you're getting frustrated with yours and like you said I didn't feel listened to as a kid and that had been my experience as well too Mm -hmm. like I felt Mm -hmm. like my mom my parents divorced early and my mom you know had a few boyfriends and then was engaged and I felt like it was always trailed along to do these things and I didn't feel like I was listened to you know, a lot with like mm-hmm. what I wanted or whatever. So I feel like I get super triggered mm-hmm. when when my five-year-old isn't listening to me or like I'm asking him to do something and mm-hmm. it's been, you know, causing me just stress lately because I don't want to lose it, you know, constantly or always be stressed or whatever the case for him. And it's, it's nice to know that that is something that I can do to regulate my own body in those moments because I want to show up in a safe space for him mm. where not safe physically, but safe emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, and allow him to be a child and deal with those things in a different way. Yeah. Well, and it's beautiful, like bringing that level of awareness and self-regulation to it allows for you 
to offer that listening to him, right? Oh, so yes. it's like when you don't, you didn't have it and you you just want you just want to be heard, you're like, oh wait, now's my chance to offer that to someone, offer what yes. I didn't have to this love, little love of my life. Yes. By recognizing like, oh, okay. And it, and I'm not saying it makes it, doesn't make it any easier having not been listened to as a child for sure. You know, and there's definitely certainly other strategies to, to work with that. But I, I'm just so fascinated by, um, our ability, not only the power to shift it, but to build in that space. Because when we can build in that space, we can come at it from a different angle, uh-huh. you know? And, and that's, that's the idea of like using these, these recipes, so to speak, when you are regulated and then they're more automatic or they're more accessible when you're dysregulated. And that's why I love, and when we, when we kind of move into talking more about like stuff kids can do, like, I love this idea of like practicing with your child on a regular basis, right? Like where it's something that it's like, Oh, and and not that they're always going to be like, oh, I want to regulate now, mommy. Yeah, you know, when, yeah, yeah. When they're not happy, but like sometimes if you've got a visual cue or a word or a song or anything, you can kind of bring that into the mix, and then it will help cue them to to move towards that self regulating. So, is there ways or recipes that? you can help your child to self-regulate or is it not for them because they're too little to understand? Absolutely not. It's, I, I think it's for everyone. Everyone with a nervous system can do this. And I think it's, you know, like the same protocol as, as for the adult, like the hug and the hand. Yeah. Oh yeah. So certainly those things that I shared, those are things that, that can, kids can do. I do have a list of other stuff that I can share with you for kids that, that you can engage in. And I, I did put together a printable that's available for your listeners to feel free to print out and see if it's something that's helpful for them. And you can find that in the show notes of this episode too, is a printable from Carrie, who is so gracious to put that together for us. So thank you so much. I love sharing this information because it's been so powerful and showing up in my- been a mini therapy session for me. So I can only imagine the value people are going to get. Well, thank you. It's 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 been so powerful in my own life and in some of the people that I've worked with that I love sharing it with it because for a long time I didn't realize like I could do anything about this, uh-huh. so to speak. And it's again, it's not to get away from the negative feelings. Like yes. there certainly is the ability to sit with and process that feeling um, that you're having in the moment, but. Again, I it's always nice to be able to get that prefrontal cortex back online because then you can come at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would love to share some of these these mindfulness and embodiment tools that you can practice with your children. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we talk a lot about the breath, or at least, you know, in the mainstream media, there's all this to take a deep breath and that kind of thing. And absolutely that's beneficial. Um, breathing is one of the only autonomic nervous system functions that can be influenced. So that's really interesting to me is that it's automatic Uh and unconscious most of the time, Yeah, but you can also shape it to use it and when you need, when you need to kind of thing. And I've shared this on another podcast that I did, um, but my son is five. He's in kindergarten right now, but he came home and he goes, we do these breathing exercises in class, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like the beach ball breath and Mm -hmm. then there's the rainbow breath and counting and taking a breath in between. And I just thought, oh my God, how amazing is that? You know, he goes, we practice it if we need to calm down in class or, you know, whatever it is. And so we've been doing it at home. Now my two-year-old does his little like beach ball breath and stuff. And I just think that it is so powerful to teach this to kids when they're young because they absorb it and they take it for what it is. And like my husband and I were filming Jack doing it. He's just the sweetest, purest Mm -hmm. look. He closes his eyes. Mm -hmm. He does his breath really seriously. And it's just like so calming just Mm. even watching him do it. And I just love that for kids because it's simple and it's something that they can get on board with doing. 
Oh, I love it. And I know you can't see me, but I'm smiling ear to ear. No, I can see you. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just warms my heart. Well, your listeners can't see me. That just warms my heart because it is so important to learn young. Mm-hmm. It's so important to learn young. And the fact that he's he's engaging with it and he's doing it. And I mean, you may have this experience too, Natalie, but when I have been worked up myself about something non-child related, mm-hmm. my, ch- my one of my children came up to me and was like, mom, I think it's time for some deep breaths. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. You are yeah. absolutely right. Like it's so quick to fall into that pattern of that stress response and like recognizing again, like, oh, we can interrupt this. Yes. One of my favorite things that you can do with your children, and we did it at the beginning of this, is just adding an intentional audible sigh. Uh And just that, because this can help reset your respiratory system, which in turn helps reset your nervous system. And I think it's an easy thing. Apparently I do it a lot per my (laughs) husband. I didn't know this at first. And when I was like raving to him about the science, he was like, you do that all the time. (laughs) <laughs> and then I started recognizing it. I was like, oh, I do. Oh my gosh, so, that's so funny. Just adding in that intentional sigh can be really helpful. The um, And this might go along with your five-year-old, some of the breathing practices that he does at school, but extending your exhale. So if you or he or any anyone out there naturally breathes in for a count of, say, four... Uh-huh. then you may exhale for a count of six or eight. Okay. And, you know, if you don't want to do breathing with this, like adding bubbles or a straw blowing pom-poms across the table or something can help your child breathe out longer. Okay. Um, but that is one, that's one of my go-to practices. So I do that a lot during my parenting things is that- yes. You can easily extend your exhale because you actually slow your heart rate when you have a longer exhale. Okay. Um, putting an object on the belly and you know placing a safe item or soft item on your child's belly, having them breathe and watch it go up and down. This can also stimulate safety because of the weight on the belly. So sometimes if it's not a stuffed animal or something like that, maybe it's a you know sealed bag of rice or okay. something like that. Is that just putting a, an object on the belly can help stimulate that that sense of safety. And then probably similar to Jack's counting, you know, you can either um, place your hands on your belly and like begin counting one on your inhale, two on your exhale, three on your inhale, four on your exhale, et cetera, like going all the way up to 10 and then restarting at one. Or adding in colors. This is, I, of course, you know, the mom and me can't help but make, make it educational. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go over your colors while we're at it. Um, but breathing in one, breathing out red, breathing okay. in two, breathing out blue, okay. you know, that kind of thing. And, and it's also great because it's things that you can do quietly to yourself as you're falling asleep, as you know, maybe doing it for your child as they're falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And are if you they're just trying to regulate? Are you recommending like, well, you know, if we're in the conflict, like you're not listening to me. Like I recognize I'm being triggered or whatever. Is this something you can say in the moment? Like, Hey, like, why don't we take a break and like regulate our bodies and do some breaths? Is that, is that an instance where you would, advocate in bringing the kids into this? Or is this something you practice when you're not, obviously you want to practice this when you're not in the like fight or flight mode, Yeah, you know? But, yeah. When you, but, when you and your child are not down the ladder is the yes. best time to practice. So when you're at the top of that ladder, when you're safe and social, engaged, connected with one another, okay. practicing it then is great. Just so it's, so you have something to, you know, that muscle memory almost yes. to call on. But I would actually recommend is not necessarily suggesting it to your child when you're in the heat of the moment, but just saying, I'm feeling very activated in my body or however you describe it as a family. I think I'm going to do some color counting and color breathing, or I think I'm going to take a few sighs, or I'm going to place this object on my belly and breathe for a little bit. So less telling and more leading by example. 
um, because as I'm sure you know, as being a parent, is yes. that like they're not necessarily going to want to hear you, especially if they're dysregulated, right? That prefrontal cortex is offline. So anything you say, you could be like, we're going for banana splits. And they'd be like, no, like, yes. you know, so it's, it's, um, okay. It's, it's kind of that leading by example piece that I always recommend and try to do myself is like, I need a moment. I'm going to breathe through this kind of thing. Okay. Okay. No, that's good. That yeah. That's good. Because I feel like it's good to know all the things, but it's like, when do you actively do them, you know, or like in yeah. the moment or whatever? Yeah. And I would say, you know, if anybody goes to the printable, just looking at the list, seeing what's resonating with you, seeing what resonates with your child, mm-hmm. pick out a couple things and try them out for a little bit, you know, yeah. just here and there, because they're, they can be done in less than a minute and, you know, seeing what, and then just maybe just talking like, oh, how did that feel in your body? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And seeing like what would be considered some of the go-to practices. And not everything works every day, right? Sometimes yes. you need to try on different things to work. Um, so it's it's just seeing what resonates with your family. Yes. I just think that this is such an important conversation to have because I feel like I say that every podcast I do because it just truly is. I think like this wasn't available, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as widely available when we were kids and definitely when our parents were kids and you uh, grow up and who you become in these beginning years is Mm -hmm. it shapes you, you know, and who you'll be later in life. And I think it's so powerful. I always say like, we're not born knowing how to parent and to do it right. You know, like we bring a lot of baggage we have from how we saw our parents. We take the good and we take some bad or some things Mm -hmm. we might do differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's so powerful, the work that you do to help kids and parents sort of work together in this, because I think it makes for such a calm experience at home. It makes their being able to regulate their bodies at home, they're going to be able to regulate them in school. And that's a tool that you can take with you into your adult life when you're in college or you're in high school or you're, you know, just getting married and you're having these sort of instances come up. And I think it just, when you're more mindful and more at peace and and regulated, I think that just leads to probably a happier, balanced life overall. And granted, like you said, it's not going to happen every time. Yeah. You yeah. know, but, but yeah. I think having the all of these tools in your toolbox is only beneficial. Yeah. Well, and recognizing that like we're humans having a human experience Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And we can allow these things. And where do we go from here? These are things like you said, tools in our toolbox that we can use to help us move forward, to come to a conclusion, to settle the disagreement, to move forward in possibly a more productive way. Um, one of the other things that I like to use a lot as well is this idea of task oriented movement, because movement, a lot of times when the body's activated and we're, we've dropped down the ladder Uh and you have to gauge this for your own child. Um, because if your child is like completely shut down, like head under the blanket, like bringing on something that's very high energy as if they're in fight or flight might be a, an energy mismatch, yes. but, but some task oriented movement where you're purposely bringing that prefrontal cortex back online, the rhythm of it can help mm-hmm. the connection of it can help. So just even tossing a ball back and forward forth. So like okay. if your child is completely shut down or, um, I'm sorry, like tantruming, like yes. completely just like you know, again, maybe it's just yourself throwing that ball up and catching it, up and catching it, up and catching it, not saying anything, not like, Hey, do you want to throw this ball with me? But just doing it again, that Uh leading by example, um, balancing an object on like one or two fingers and just kind of like, you know, starting to do that because gradually they'll start to expend that energy and like get interested in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, standing on one foot, and then shifting to another foot. This again, like, I feel like these are almost fun things to do when Mm -hmm. you aren't and you and your child are not dysregulated. Um, and then maybe if they're coming from that more shut down place, like 
lying on your back with your legs up the wall and balancing a soft item on your toes. Um, I've even seen kids that doing yoga, putting like a yoga block or a book on their feet and then trying to like catch things on the block, like throw something up to catch like a beanbag or something kind of thing. So um, maybe it's just that, you know, doing something to kind of bring that rhythmic motion or, or, uh, movement to the scenario. And then again, matching their energy. So like not, <laughs> not doing something that's completely mismatched to where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that that's so good. I'm so glad that you have so many easy tools and tips for parents to take away from this episode and implement and to practice. And it was so good knowing when to implement these and when to practice on them. And I love the visual and the idea of going up and down the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and like thinking about that, right? Like, cause one of our goals as we, as we work to not follow them down the ladder is to provide that co-regulation and that sense of safety so that they'll, they can come up back up that ladder with us. Right. And again, it's not to get rid of the, the feelings. If, if, if part of the co-regulation is just you sitting there while they're going through their stuff, it's, it's you sitting there while they go through their stuff. You're still holding that space and being that safe place for them to land when they're through it, right? Yes. When they've worked it out kind of thing. But providing co-regulation can just look like face-to-face you know, interaction. So like you're looking at them in the eyes listening without fixing, which is, I'm, (laughs) I've been guilty of a few Hmm. times. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's kind of, it's kind of hard when they're little people. Um, gentle eye contact, you know, maybe not just staring them down, but giving them gentle eye contact and genuine and appropriate smiles. If it makes sense. Um, vocal prosody, which is almost that sing songy, you know, there's a reason why babies like like us to sing songs and nursery rhymes to them. It's very soothing and providing that safety. And then also touch, you know, whether or not it's just a hand on the shoulder or the back or that kind of thing. And I know that all of that can be challenging when your child is dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes I feel like it's almost done in steps um, where there's that leading by example going on. And then as they kind of start to soften or start to climb a couple rungs, you know, maybe there's a a hand on the back or there's something that's gradually bringing them back up that ladder. Um, You know, really understanding your child's glimmers. Uh, Again, back to Deb Dana, um, she likes to know to uh, talk about glimmers and glows and glimmers are are things that bring you joy. So like Uh recognizing what brings your child joy when they're not dysregulated. So maybe it's, um, even though my oldest is 11 and a half, he still loves his lovey. Uh-huh. And I know that Jerry, the giraffe brings him joy. Um, I don't always pull it out when he's dysregulated, but if we're like in his room, I might grab it and just kind of stroke his face with it a little bit. Yeah. If, he's, if he's, if I can sense that he's open to that, like it, yeah. that I can touch him without him being very upset, but yeah. You know, looking at those those soothing songs, toys, location, maybe it's nature, clothing, people that that are their glimmers and and you, appreciating them with them when they're not dysregulated, so that mm-hmm. when they are regulated, it's even more it's even more soothing to them. Okay. Or I'm sorry, appreciating them when they're regulated, so that when they're dysregulated, it's more appreciated. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Can you elaborate like on play? Yeah. So play is a natural source of co-regulation. So noting kind of your child's preferred areas of play, you know, if they're really into um, a particular toy or video game or something like that, like bringing that into the mix. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so for me with older children, I might say like, oh, you know, well, where is this on the Minecraft scale? Like how, how intense is this for you? And usually they can name their (laughs) weapon of choice Mm -hmm. that I kind of have, have realized by now, like, oh, like, okay, 
that's a that's a pretty big you know weapon or tool you've got there like that you're using that or something like that there's there's just different language that I've tried to involve so that I can understand where they're coming from and that's kind of a play that's a playful thing so while they're not necessarily want to dive into their feelings or talk about it or solve it or certainly not get advice if they want to vent in a way that I can understand and Uh even if it is just holding space you know, it's a matter of talking about it that way. But understanding your child's like kind of natural areas of play goes back to that, you know, almost like they're glimmers. Like, so if you're, if they're having some sort of meltdown or something like that, and you want to help bring them up that ladder, just maybe pulling out the blocks or, you know, the trucks or whatever it is that they're really into and starting to set them up or something to that extent. But play is definitely a way to rebuild that connection and to help bring them up the ladder. And so if they're down the ladder and do you suggest doing the play thing at that point, or is that not the place to sort of bring that in to help them bring them up the ladder? Yeah. I always start with that kind of checking in with myself. Like, am I wanting to follow them down this ladder first? That that would be good. Walk us through like start to finish. Okay. So like you're doing, you're having a thing with your kid and you feel yourself triggered. Your guys are butting heads. So Mm -hmm. what's walk us through start to finish. Yeah. Butting heads. You can feel it starting to get heated. I can feel that stuff kind of bubbling up in me. I'm I'm looking, you know, I'm I'm trying to pull in that awareness, right? Like what's happening in my body right now. Mm-hmm. And be, usually because it's so fast, that stress response is so fast, we're a lot of times reacting to it, um not necessarily stopping it because it's it's coming and kudos to all the parents that can use some of these things to kind of like not let it start from the beginning, but at least for myself, a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's happening. I got to pay attention to this now. So using that awareness, starting to use any tools that make sense for me in that moment. So I've practiced a lot of different things. One other thing I did want to mention that I didn't, I forgot to mention is that um, if you go to YouTube and search uh, nurtured kids or nurtured healing, N-U-R-T-U-R-E-D healing we have nurtured kids that my kids and I put together a series. There's probably 25 different videos of breathing techniques and all sorts of things. Oh my God. How cool. That we did during uh, COVID. And um, this was mom saying, I need you guys to be doing this on a regular basis. So we're going to start a YouTube channel. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't necessarily the kind of YouTube channel they wanted, but it worked (laughs) for me. (laughs) So, um, but using whatever tool that I need in the moment, right? So I've practiced a lot of these. I know extending my exhale is always a good one for me. And if the intentional sigh is not something I can turn on at the moment. So I'm extending my exhale because it's it's some definitely something you can do in public. It's something you can do yeah. anywhere. So I'm extending my exhale. I'm getting myself somewhat regulated. And then I'm I'm coming at it from a place of, you know, holding space not trying to ask too many questions, but saying like, you know, I wonder, um, I wonder why it is that you chose to hit your brother instead of talk to me about him taking X, Y, Z, you know, kind of thing Mm -hmm. instead of that, like, why did you hit your brother? Because it puts them in the defensive right away. So it's more of me just wondering out loud. I wonder why it is that you decided that silence and just kind of letting them kind of evolve from there. So, and then also just starting to bring and be lead by example as much as possible. So maybe it's bringing in in that task oriented movement if they're super activated or, you know, adding something in that's going to help them self-regulate that makes sense that, that I know they've practiced that they'll know what I'm doing, not always making a suggestion to them, but just kind of trying to bring it in. Um, and then providing that co-regulation as much as possible. You know, mm-hmm. if there's, if touch is available, if I'm able to, to really provide some gentle eye contact, listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm really always trying to repeat what it is that they're saying to me mm-hmm. so that they feel heard. 
Um, and if I don't have my prefrontal cortex online, my body is going to be screaming so loud that I won't be able to hear what they have to say. So really regulating myself to get to that point where we can kind of move together or, or they can, you know, I'm almost like extending a hand down the ladder to them to help bring them back up. Oh, yes. I love, love that visual. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been such a good conversation and I've gotten so much from it too. So many tips and so many things. Where can people find you? What's your website, your Instagram, all the things? My uh, website is www.nurtured, N-U-R-T-U-R-E-D, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. I'm at Nurtured Healing on Instagram. I'm at Nurtured Healing now on Facebook. And then from my website, you can find all the other places, the YouTube channel, that et cetera, from there. Um, but I just thank you so much, Natalie, for allowing me to talk about this because this is near and dear to my heart because I really feel like we all have the power to to influence how we show up in difficult times. And part of it is is that awareness and recognizing like, oh, we have this body that is so smart and it's always acting in service of our survival. And sometimes it gets things a little bit mismatched, right? So what can we do? What can we do and help our children understand, you know, like, wow, your body really had a good reaction, you know, really had a big reaction to that. Mm -hmm. It must've been really activated or whatnot. And then, you know, helping them understand like that they can shift that, that they can, that can, work with it kind of thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think that's so, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Raising a Healthy Family podcast. I am your host, Natalie K. Schwartz. You can find more of me at nataliekschwartz.com. You can follow me on Instagram at nataliekschwartz. And I am so happy you're here. Thank you for continuing to listen and support the show. Any information from today's show will be in the show notes. Thanks for following along.